I'm so glad you've joined me for today's program. We're going to have such a good time today as we're looking at real faith versus fake faith. But in yesterday's program, I referred to a book which is called Build Your Foundations, Six Must-Have Beliefs for Constructing an Unshakable Christian Life. And in chapter two, I discuss faith toward God, it is so vital for you to understand what is faith toward God. If you don't understand that, then it may be that you're not really saved. You may have a misplaced faith. And it's so important that I want to give this book to you today only. So give us a call or reach out to us on our website and we will give you this book, One Per Family, today only. But we're also offering you my brand new series, which is called Real Faith versus Fake Faith. If there's real faith, then there is fake faith. The subtitle says how to make sure your faith is real, not fake, and how to really put it to work. Oh, and today, this is what we're going to continue teaching in our program. And my friends, this series comes with a wonderful study guide. I love these study guides because you can read, read it, put it into your eyes while you hear it or while you see it. And that really, really reinforces the teaching down deep inside you. And we're told in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. By getting the series, you can hear it and hear it and read it and really get this truth down deep inside you. Yesterday's program is something you need to really get get inside you. And right now, because I'm teaching on faith, real faith versus fake fake, I want to offer you two books on faith that I wrote. One is called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. I love this book. And there's a follow-up book that goes with it, which is called The Point of No Return, Tackling Your New Assignment with Courage and common sense. Both of these books are on the subject of faith and how to launch out in faith with courage and common sense. My friends, you can overcome every obstacle. You can do what God has called you to do. You really can. You can pass the point of no return. And we're offering these on today's program. And remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, and a partner is anyone who financially regularly gives to our ministry to help us take this teaching to people around the world. And dear friend, there really are people all over the planet that are tuning in to receive the teaching from this ministry. Our goal is Proverbs 10, verse 21. It says, the lips of the righteous feed many. I know that that is my task given to me from heaven, but I can only do it with partners who put financial fuel in the tank so that we can take this teaching to people all over the planet. They're sitting in their homes saying, God, I need answers. Please send me somebody that can bring me teaching I can trust. I know that is my job, but I do it because of partners who give. And I want to say thank you to you. If you're already a partner, my, you are changing other people's lives. That is so powerful. But if you want to become a partner, when you become a partner, we're going to send you my book called Life in the Combat Zone. The subtitle says, How to Survive, Thrive, and Overcome in the Midst of Difficult Situations. And Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. We send these books to anyone who becomes a partner. You can order all of these materials by calling us or by going online, and you can become a partner right now 
by going online or by giving us a call. And please remember that if you have a prayer need, we're ready to pray. We're waiting for the phone to ring or for your email to show up in the inbox so we can release our faith. God will hear us and God will move on your behalf. But we need to know how to pray to pray better. So let us know how we can pray for you. And I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust, a message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick. Today we're talking about real faith versus fake faith, and I want to talk about the word fake just for a moment. When Jesus addressed the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he called them hypocrites. That is such a terrible word, but what does that word really mean? Well, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but his grandparents lived in the city of Sephoris, which was only about three miles away. And in the city of Sephoris, there was a theater. And if you went to the theater, you would see hypocrites on the stage. You say, well, who were the hypocrites? That was the name used to describe actors. And the word hypocrite described a person who wore a mask. And this really is a Greek mask that predates the first century. And back in those days, actors, when they acted their parts on the stage, they would wear masks to pretend like they were someone else. It was not who they really were. And when Jesus called people hypocrites, he was saying, I know who you are. You're just a bunch of actors. You know all the right words to say. You have all the lines memorized, but you don't feel it in your heart. You're just a bunch of bogus pretenders, phonies, you're actors. That's really what that word hypocrites mean. There were masks like this. If you were performing in a smaller stage, perhaps in a home, you could even wear a little tiny mask like this. But the word hypocrite really describes one who wears a mask, therefore they are fake. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he said, I know that you have an unfeigned faith. That means a faith that is real, a faith that is bona fide. It means there is real faith and there is fake faith. Well, my friends, we want to have real faith. We don't want to be actors or just pretenders. Well, let's see what the Bible says about faith. And we're going to find out today in James chapter 2 that faith, real faith, has corresponding actions. Hmm. So let's go to James chapter 2, verse 14. Oh, I love these verses. Listen to this. What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he have faith and have not works? Can faith save him? That's a very important question. Verse 15. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, verse 16, and one of you say unto him, Ah, depart in peace, be warmed, be ye filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Now, James is asking rhetorical questions that are very, very important. And we find out that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is not real faith. So let's look at it again. And let's begin in James chapter 2, verse 14, where James says, What doth it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? He begins in verse 14 with the word what, 
And in Greek, it is the little tiny word T, which describes the most minute, minuscule detail. It is an exclamation, what in the world, what, what? He's really raising the tempo of his voice. He's trying to get their attention. What, <laughs> what in the world doth it profit? And the word prophet, the Greek word aphelos, a word that is used all over the New Testament so we know exactly what it means. This word prophet points to an advantage, a benefit, a profit or usefulness, and it means real faith is advantageous. Real faith is useful. Real faith has a benefit. But James says, what does it profit? He's amazed at what he's about to ask. What does it profit my brethren? Then he calls them brethren. And it is amazing that when you come to these verses, which now comprise 42 verses in the book of James, in the first 42 verses of the book of James, James has addressed his readers as brothers seven times. That's a lot. Seven times in 42 verses, he has said, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren, my brethren. Why is this so very important? Because he's not judging them and he's not condemning them, but he's coming right down into the trenches, speaking to them face to face and calling them his brethren, which is from the Greek word adelphos. And I think this is so powerful because he was the half brother of Jesus. No one was more visible than him, and yet he was willing in humility to come right down to the level of his readers. They were in the trenches, so he got down in the trenches with them. The word brother describes two born out of the same womb. And of course, James and all of his readers were all born out of the womb of God because they're born of God. But this word brethren, the Greek word adolphos, was popularized first by Alexander the Great, who was the greatest soldier in the world at that time. And when Alexander the Great would have big award ceremonies to award soldiers who had been especially brave, he would call them on the stage, would place his arm around them, and with his other arm, he would say to all the other adoring soldiers, let all the empire know that Alexander is proud to be the brother of this soldier. It carried the idea of brotherhood or camaraderie, a fellow soldier, a fellow fighter. And now James is connecting with his readers. He's climbing right down into the trenches with them to deal with issues that they're facing in their life and to ask them very important questions. And he says, what doth it profit my brethren, my comrades, comrades, what does it profit? Though a man say he have faith. The word though in Greek is the word ian. It really means supposing, supposing a man say he have faith. It doesn't mean that he has faith. But let's say that he says that he has faith, supposing that a man says he hath faith. And the word say is a form of the Greek word lego, which means to converse or to talk. So we find this man's mouth is filled with faith words, and he says that he hath faith. The word hath is a form of the Greek word echo, which means to have, to hold, or to possess. So this man's claiming that he has faith, he holds faith, he possesses faith, and the word faith is the Greek word pistis, the New Testament word for faith. The root describes one that is persuaded. It conveys the idea of one that is faithful, reliable, loyal, and steadfast. 
It pictures one that is trustworthy, dependable, dedicated, constant, reliable, unfailing, and unwavering. It depicts something that is unchanging, constant, stable, unwavering in belief or behavior, rock-solid belief, one that is convinced to his core, real, real faith. And I've pointed out to you in previous programs that the form of the word faith used in the New Testament describes a force that is moving forward. Faith never sets still. Faith never does nothing. Faith is always moving. Well, here is a person who says he holds, has, and possesses faith. And if he does, then it's moving him to do something because faith always has corresponding actions. But this verse goes on to tell us some very important things about real faith versus fake faith. But first, Romans 12 verse 3 says, every single man alive has a measure of faith. Romans 1.17 says, the righteous live by faith. So if you're not living by faith and you're a child of God, you're not really experiencing life. We're told in Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9 that we are saved through faith. Hebrews 11 says, an active faith is essential to please God. How active is your faith? We're told in 2 Corinthians 8, 5 to 7, that we can abound in faith. You can grow in faith, which means it doesn't matter what measure you started with, you can grow your faith. We're told in 2 Thessalonians 1, 3, that our faith can grow exceedingly exceedingly. And 1 John 5, 4 says, our faith has the ability to overcome the world. My friend, faith is a powerful, powerful force. I say that faith is like a bullet shot out of the gun. And if you're moving in faith, it will move you to action. But in James 2, 14, he says, what doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith? The Greek really says, supposing a man says, so his mouth is filled with words that he has, he holds, and he possesses this vibrant kind of faith, faith that moves, faith that acts, and have not works. Hmm, there's something wrong with this. In fact, when it says have not works, listen to what the Greek literally means. Works, however, he strangely, remarkably, emphatically does not possess. Or you could translate it works on the other hand. He remarkably and categorically does not possess or have a grip on at all. So he says he has faith, but he has no demonstration of faith in his life. He has no works. Then when you come to James chapter 2, verse 14, he continues, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? And you understand, can faith save him alone? Wow. We have to remember what John the Baptist said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees who came to the river Jordan. They came to the River Jordan, and these were the hypocrites that Jesus had referred to. They were wearing religious masks. They were appearing that they had faith, but they had fake faith. That's why Jesus called them hypocrites. Again, the Greek word hypocrites is a word which describes a theatrical mask. They were just actors on the stage. They knew the lingo. They had memorized the lines, but they didn't have a life and actions that matched what they feigned to possess. And so John the Baptist said to them, bring forth therefore fruits, meat for repentance. He was talking about outward evidence. If you have real faith, then you need to demonstrate it with your actions. Real faith has corresponding 
actions. And if you claim to have faith, but there's no corresponding actions, then there's something flawed in your faith. But when you go back to James chapter 2, verse 15, he says, if a brother or sister be naked, the word if in Greek is the word eon, it means supposing, here this is rhetorical speech. Let's just suppose he's creating the situation in order to have a conversation. He says, let's just suppose a brother or sister. Here it is the word adelphos and the word adelphi, the very same word, two born out of the same womb, comrades, brotherhood, one of us, one of our brothers, one of our sisters, one of us be naked. The word be is the Greek word hooparko, which describes one who is continually existing in one particular state. And the state that this brother or sister is existing in is naked from the Greek word gumnas. And the word gumnas means to be physically naked, but really it depicts lacking proper clothes. One in desperate physical need, or you could translate it living bare. Let's just say a brother or sister is living bare. They don't even have adequate clothes to wear. And then it continues and says, and is destitute. That word destitute is a form of the Greek word lepo. And the tense means to be continuously lacking. This is not just a one-time need, but they are continuously lacking. To be continuously behind financially. To continuously be living in deficit and in need. And it can even carry the idea of abandonment. This is somebody really in trouble. And in fact, they're destitute of daily food. And the word daily here is such an interesting word. The Greek word, ephimiros. It means up on the start of the day. The very moment they wake up, they start their day with a deficit of food. Oh, this is a very critical situation for this person. And the word food, the Greek word tofre, describes that which is needed for life, for nourishment, for physical maintenance and sustenance. This is not someone wanting to eat cake and dessert. This is someone who doesn't even have what they need to live. Verse 16. And let's just say one of you say unto them. Here he is creating a conversation to make a point. And one of you say unto them, depart in peace and be ye warmed and filled. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? Well, in verse 16, when he says, and one of you send to them, depart, it really means get moving. Everything is going to be fine. Just get moving. But you continue to say, depart to them in peace. Maybe that's a faith statement because the word peace, the Greek word erinae, describes the cessation of war, conflicts put away, things are going to be all right, things are going to be peaceful. It's the equivalent of the word shalom, which means to be whole in every respect of your life. So the words are right. You say to the person in need, get moving, everything's going to be fine. I speak shalom to you, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be whole in every part of your life. But, hmm, You continue to say, be warmed. Depart in peace, be ye warmed. The word warmed means to warm oneself, and it is the very word to describe a Roman bathhouse or sauna. (laughs) It's the equivalent of saying, go and relax, enjoy yourself, and be filled. The word filled is a Greek word which means to be filled with the food to the point of satisfaction. But then in verse 16, James says, And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace and be warmed and be filled. 
notwithstanding, the Greek word day. It means remarkably. It's used for emphasis. But, however, shockingly, remarkably, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? And when the Bible says you give not, the Greek is very, very emphatic. It has a negative, which means you do not give. He's shocked at this behavior. You're speaking faith, but you're not acting in faith. Faith has corresponding actions. You give not them the things which are needful. The word needful describes that which is suitable for the necessity of living, necessary to go on living normally, you give them not those things which are needful to the body, the Greek word soma, the natural physical body which has needs. You have the ability to help them with what they need and you don't give it to them. He says, what doth it profit? Well, huh, that's where we began. He began by saying, what doth it profit if you say you have faith, but you don't have works? He ends where he begins. And the word what is again the little Greek word T. It describes the most minute, minuscule detail. It is an emphatic saying, what? What do you mean? What is this? What is this profiting? And the word profit, again, the Greek word, aphelos. It describes an advantage, a benefit, something that is profitable or something that is useful. And my friends, I want to tell you that real faith has actions. It helps people. Real faith is more than a mouthful of talk. A mouthful of talk itself is not going to change anybody or do anything. And in fact, James goes on in the next verse to say, faith without works is dead. If it doesn't have corresponding actions, my friends, it's not faith. But that's what we're going to see in tomorrow's program. So what I want you to see is there's a real faith and there's a fake faith, and we need to judge ourselves to see if we just have a mouthful of words or if we have faith actions that accompany what we say. I'll be back in just a moment, and I want to pray for you. How do you know if you're moving in a kind of faith that will really change circumstances? Since there is a real faith and a fake faith, are you sure that you're operating in real faith? Fake faith won't do much, but real faith moves mountains. And nothing is more important than making sure you have mountain-moving faith that produces results. In this five-part series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith, you'll see and learn that real faith has corresponding actions, the role of faith versus works, about how your faith can work wonders. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $10, you'll learn how to stir up the fire of God that is in you with real Bible faith. You can also purchase the books Dream Thieves and The Point of No Return for only $15 each. In these two powerful books, Rick will show you how to identify the thieves that come to steal your dream and how to keep going forward once you've passed the point of no return. And today only, the book Build Your Foundation is available as our free gift to you. Just call the number on your screen or visit Renner.org. Free today only when you call or go online to request it. This 248-page book contains the six must-have beliefs every believer needs to construct an unshakable Christian life. Get the book Build Your Foundation for free today. And don't miss this powerful series, Real Faith versus Fake Faith, and the books Dream Thieves and The Point of No Return. Call the number on your screen or go to renner.org to order. One book per household for U.S. mailing only.
friends, this is Rick Renner. I want to give you a good report. It is amazing, but we just signed the papers to purchase our new building in Tulsa, a new headquarters for our ministry. We've been in the same location for years and years and years, and we've outgrown it. And because so many people are reaching out to us for more teaching and for prayer and for ministry, we need more space so we can effectively minister to them. And at the same time, we're constructing our studio in Moscow, where we're going to be filming the most wonderful Bible teaching programs that touch people all over the world. But the only reason we're able to do all of this at one time is because of people like you that are members of our giving team. And because of your gifts, we're able to do this in Tulsa, we're able to do this in Moscow. And my friends, I want to remind you that it's not about the buildings. No, 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 it's about people that need to be touched. We just need space so that we can minister to them. And I wanna say thank you so much for being a part of the giving team and remaining a part of the giving team as we get the buildings ready and put up walls and get ready to produce programming and to minister to people all over the face of the planet. And if you're not a partner and a member of our giving team yet, please become a part of our team today. Pastor Rick's heart is just to get the message of the gospel out there. And because he is absolutely a man after God's own heart, when God says do this, he says yes. I know that we're gonna have substantial growth just because that is Pastor Rick's vision. Pastor Rick's heart is for people, and that's why he always says, call in for prayer, because he's sincere and he means it, and we do too. We're all very honored and humbled. It's just been a wonderful thing to see the growth that has happened, because we know the growth comes with people's lives being changed, and that's what our heart is about. And um, These are the end times that we're living in, and there are a lot of new believers. There are many people wonderful it's wonderful to hear that um, coming to coming to know Jesus for the first time and um, I'm so thankful that we have the tools and the resources available ready for them when they need it we're just privileged to get to lend our gifts and our touches to written communication from this ministry My friends, I've had such a good time with you in the Bible today. I can hardly wait until we come back tomorrow. But remember that today only I'm offering you my book called Build Your Foundation as a Gift. It's free. Just give us a call or go online to play yours. But it's today only and it's one per household. And when you go online, be sure to order the brand new series called Real Faith versus Fake Faith. How to make sure your faith is real, not fake and how to really put it to work. This is such a practical, hands-on kind of series to help you know how to use your faith and how to put accompanying actions with your faith. And it comes with a study guide. And remember that right now we're offering you two books. These books go together. One is called Dream Thieves, Overcoming Obstacles to Fulfill Your Dreams. And the accompanying book is called The Point of No Return, Tackling Your Next Assignment with Courage and common sense. Both of these books are about faith and using your faith to do something. Faith never stands still. Faith is always on the move. And if you're moving in real bona fide faith, you're doing something. And these books will help you know how to launch out in faith and begin doing something with courage and 
common sense. And please remember that when you become a partner with our ministry, we're going to send you two books, my book called Life in the Combat Zone and Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness, which we always give to anybody who becomes a part of our partner family. And we really mean it when we say family. You're a part of the family when you're a partner. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you intend for us to have accompanying actions with our faith, not just a mouth filled with words. Help us, Lord, to put our faith to work in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you tomorrow. But remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of a king is, there's power.